Good afternoon. Welcome back to part two of today's special episode of NFTs Live. On with us here, we've got Gabe. So we will be interviewing Gabe at Doc Gables on Twitter, who is a co-founder of BitLectro Labs. BitLectro Labs is a team of developers, artists, and blockchain experts who aim to bring unique audiovisual NFTs to the growing world of digital art and collectibles. They've got two main collections, Dream Loops and Dreamers, and today we'll be talking more about the Dreamers ahead of their upcoming airdrop, Dreamers VX. Beyond his work for BitLectro, Gabe is also tied into the Chris Graves Project, is a Zeneca 333 member, has a PhD, and is a sometimes DJ. I'm excited to hear about any and all of that. Gabe, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Tyler. How's it going? I'm um, good. It's been... Uh, an interesting few weeks in the NFTs. We were back in the bull market, spirits up. We were chatting a little bit before the show. It feels like overall sentiment and vibe is turning up as well. So the it, it's fun times again. Um, I gotta say, I think you are our first PhD on NFTs live. Nice, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so I definitely <laughs> would love to hear a little bit about that. You know, your background and kind of how you went from PhD into NFTs and Web three. Yeah, so. Uh, I was in grad school back in 2013 when I, I learned about Bitcoin. Uh, and I was studying uh, cognitive psychology, uh, which later turned into me doing research in behavioral economics. Like uh, a lot of the behavioral economists, like uh, Kahneman, Tversky, Thaler, they're all just cognitive psychologists, but they, they study decision making in uh, risky situations or, or how we navigate risk or make decisions in the face of risk. Are we risk averse? Are we risk seeking? What are the characteristics that, that modulate these effects? Uh, so that was a lot of my research, like uh, specifically into topics around something called uh, framing biases. So framing really simply is how we package a message, right? So framing is used in advertising, right? Like often uh, we'll frame things as a perspective gain versus a perspective loss in order to make someone do something. Anyway, so long-winded story. But while I was in grad school, I was uh, sitting in bed one morning reading a Wired article, Wired magazine article about the dark web, and they mentioned Bitcoin being used for uh, payments. And sure, like it was cool, like, oh, I could buy psychedelics on the internet, but also what was this payment method? And I think maybe I closed, closed the laptop didn't buy any Bitcoin, saw the same thing come up six months later, took the plunge, did a old-fashioned wire transfer at my local credit union. The uh, bank teller looked at me side-eyed, but I bought a few Bitcoin at $100 a unit. I think I lost those. I think I was actually like playing Satoshi dice and lost all of my Bitcoin uh, at one point, rebought in. Uh, so I've been in the space for, for some time, but um, you know, fast forward to 2020, everyone's at home. Buddy calls me, says, uh, hey, I have a CryptoPunk. How do I sell that? I say, what's a CryptoPunk? Uh, he says it's an NFT, and I said, "Oh, like the Crypto Kitties that uh, bogged down the Ethereum network back in 2017, 2018." And uh, we we figure out how how he sell how he can sell it. He ends up dumping it for like fifteen thousand dollars, which for him was a tremendous amount of money at the time. Obviously, there's some hindsight bias there, a little bit of regret. 
but I became obsessed with them. So I immediately started buying trading things about a hash mask. That was my first one. I think I caught it a couple of days after the mint, uh, still have it probably like people talk about their forever NFT. I think the hash mask will be, be my forever NFT started trading, uh, reached out to a friend of mine, uh, Keel Corcoran. And I said, Hey, I'm trading NFTs. I knew he was a, a big crypto trader. And he says, Oh, like these are cool. I said, I think I want to make one. And he's like, I'm down. Uh, what do you want to make? I said, uh, well, you're a musician. Let's do some music NFTs. And he produced this wonderful collection for us, the uh, Dream Loops, and also designed all the art. He's a sort of a pixel artist by hobby. He's also like a historian of, uh, of lost uh, internet games and PC gaming. He actually collects a lot of computer hardware like Amigas and Commodores and old, uh, old PCs. Uh, but he also has this wonderful archive of imagery from now lost PC games. A lot of it you can find on archive.org. And he was drawing this pixel art in his free time. So we said, well, let's combine your pixel art uh, ability with your music production ability. Produced the collection, had some fun roadmap items there, did uh, physical album releases. Like we actually have, uh, we have cassette tapes and vinyl that you can redeem for a subset of the collection. Uh, dropped the Dreamers a few months later, which was partially a sale, partially a free airdrop to the Dream Loops holders. We've got a pretty lofty roadmap for the Dreamers, but we're knocking those out. We've got our uh, VX release, which is a 3D voxelized version of the Dreamers uh, that's dropping on Saturday. That's free for Dreamers holders. They just have to own a Dreamer, and then you get to claim the 3D version of that. We're also working on a DeFi product around the Dreamers that'll be launching uh, later this year. Uh, that's what my engineers are focused on, but it's it's a, a medium to large lift from an engineering standpoint, but we're we're working through it, hopefully sharing some demos there. Uh, we've got another album dropping, and of course, we've got a big metaverse presence with uh, monthly events. Got one happening today, in fact, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll be in our metaverse parcel with the Oni Force and some uh, some community members of the Heart Project. They're doing performances. We've got like eight DJs. It should be should be a crazy one. So yeah, so that was a, a long-winded explanation. <laughs> but my background, how I got into NFTs, and then what we dropped. So I don't know. That was like, no, I, yeah, I sorry. On a bit of a rant there, Tyler, but thank you. for, for no, <laughs> And, and I want to get into all that in, in more detail. A lot to unpack. I, I kind of want to start a little bit more with, with your background, cognitive psychology, behavioral economics. I feel yeah. like that's such an interesting field to inform, you know, your decision-making in the NFT market, which has, I'll, I'll be blunt, I feel like a lot of immature traders, sure. right? people who've just entered the, the market. So I'm curious if, you know, you, you found that to be an advantage, any specific tools uh, that, that have helped you, you know, when facing the market. Yeah, I think so. Um, one, one of the, See, one of the core kind of ironic things about a lot of the, the biases and, and phenomena that the behavioral economists talk about is that knowledge of the phenomena doesn't necessarily make you immune to them. <laughs> so I think I'm an okay trader. However, like I still have a lot of hindsight bias. Like, you know, we know we're never, you're never going to perfectly call the top. Like even the best technical traders in the world trading equities are never going to absolutely call the top. Sometimes you get lucky, but it's like that phrase, like trying to catch a falling knife. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not going to happen. So um, I try to recognize the biases I'm interjecting into my behavior, either when trading or after, after making a sale um, and say, nope, you're just interjecting hindsight bias or no, you've got 
you know, the endowment effect is at work. You don't want to sell it because now you're attached to it and you're overvaluing it. You should let go of this thing. Like there's, so there's a lot of these phenomena that, that get described in behavioral econ that I see myself committing as I'm trading and, and I try to overcome them when I identify them. Other times, um, you know, I make impulsive decisions and I just buy things because I like the art and uh, <laughs> sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I do say like in terms of like bankroll management though, and things like that, um, I, I tend to have a moderately conservative approach about certain things that I buy in the ecosystem. And I do try to buy multiples of everything so that I can sort of trade in a detached manner where it's not like the only one I have. So I reduce that endowment effect, for example, and I can sell half of my position and then retain ownership of the other thing. Um, also, I, I'd say some of it informs like company decisions. Like I, much of my research was in uh, framing biases and the way ultimately that your, your language can affect the message that you're conveying and then the subsequent behavior and the, and the receiver of those messages, right? Of that marketing. Um, and we know, you know, much of this space is, is driven by, by FOMO, um, yeah. creating feelings of exclusivity. Um, and, you know, no lie, we use the same techniques in, in our approach, but um, we are dealing with, you know, scarce goods in the digital marketplace. So, so a lot of it is true. Uh, but then you have to present that in a way that makes users understand, like, what is your value proposition? Why is this exclusive? Why is this good? You know, understand why our team is competent and is going to execute on all this cool stuff. Uh, there, there is some strategic framing around how we present this. And we're, I'd say you know, some of our core competencies are art production, engineering. Um, despite my background, I'd say I'm not the best at marketing. So we do this, you know, mostly through... Uh, man hours spent. You know, I've got a couple, couple good outreach uh, personnel on my team, uh, and we don't spend a ton of money on marketing, but we do tend to have a pretty, pretty good uh, amplification of our messaging, despite you know not throwing tons of money down the drain on on uh, influencers or impressions. Although it's real hard to spend through conventional uh, marketing channels in the NFT ecosystem, right. as we can't advertise on you know, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, et cetera, uh, but we would if we could. So uh, a lot of it's uh, quite organic and then finding that right message, framing it appropriately and, and finding our tribe within the ecosystem. Uh, it's so interesting to me to, to see how your background has <clears throat> informed your, your trading as well as decisions and launching the project. And before we move on, it's, I, I've, I've done some reading in behavioral economics, you know, thinking fast and slow. It's funny. I, I was talking, I'm a, I'm a two on, on, on a scale of 10. Uh, so I'm, I'm a noob. I'm, I'm a rookie. I was talking to a, a good buddy who trades and we we're just talking through all the biases that are present in NFT market. And they're all there. Yeah. Recency bias. I think survivorship mm -hmm. bias is probably the most dangerous one and probably hurts you know feelings the most it gets people down it's when you see the people who who are screaming on twitter are the ones who who made it right they picked they yeah. picked the right cartoon jpeg back when it was all uh the wild west um so it's important to understand that and for you know everyone who who's made millions right there, there's 90 percent who, exactly. who who are lost or or, or even but it's interesting you bring that one up. i hadn't thought about um survivorship bias in this context too but yeah re recency is apparent and then that survivorship uh, bias also interacts with something we call uh, availability bias is that those noisy noisy success stories on on twitter um are also the the survivors in the circumstance that that made the money uh and that's readily available in our, our recent memory and, and and attention of course you know through twitter yeah very yeah. astute 
and and that Twitter algorithm just keeps putting it in our faces. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. On a daily basis, they know uh, they know what 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 drives the engagement. But let's let's fast forward to Bitlectro and Dreamers, and we can get Dreamers up on the screen here. Uh, and do the screen share. So well, let's do just quick preview for those who are listeners, viewers who may not be familiar with the project. So uh, the tagline on the site, Dreamers are a series of 16-bit NFT avatars with 8-bit musical loops minted on the Ethereum network. Um, and I'm, I'm curious kind of what informed that first and primary and major decision to go with like the 16-bit art and, and the musical loops for these. And part of it was core competencies. Um, Keel is a great illustrator. I mean, he can actually do vector and he can paint by hand and draw. But um, he, at the time, he was really efficient at pumping out pixel art. And we're we're nerds from like I mean, '80s children, '90s children, grew up playing uh, you know vintage PC games, which were weren't vintage at the time. You know, I was I would log on to bulletin board systems and trade ASCII art in the pre-internet era, and you know, with my dial-up modem. Uh, so we're like OG pixel heads. Uh, so a lot of this is really just nostalgia for our childhoods and producing a product that we ourselves would want to consume within the NFT space. Um, we're not necessarily 100% tied to pixel art forever. In fact, we've got a collaboration with an artist that's likely going to be something a little more fine art focused, uh, probably launching this summer. But um, it was really like we were making a collection for ourselves. So even within the Dreamers like the traits, like you can see this character is wearing a black flag t-shirt. Well, um, my co-founder, he's in a popular uh, indie band, Starfucker, but he's also played with a lot of punk bands in his youth and he still moonlights occasionally with, with punk bands on tour. Um, so you go through the collection, there's all these Easter eggs that were interjected by our team, uh, whether it was things they like, uh, sports they play, uh, books they, they enjoy, like there's some sci-fi novel references in there, Star Trek, um, a lot of robots, in fact. Uh, so a lot of it's just really um, extensions of our own nerdy interests. Uh, and the music just just fits the tone of the collection, right? Like it, it is video game sounding music, but it was all produced through conventional studio software and then reprocessed to sound like, like video game sounds. In fact, the, this collection, The Dreamers, was uh, processed through a Sega Genesis um, like software synth basically that reproduces wow. the sounds as they would have come out of that piece of hardware. So it, it actually constrains like the melodic compositions to this, this sound chip that only produces like these specific parameters of, of outputs. Um, and that, that's what we got. And um, uh, ironically, the albums that we produced, uh, we didn't upload the full album cuts to the internet for the, for the dream loops album. We'll probably do the same thing for the dreamers, but the actual A side of the album is real instrumentation. It's it's keyboards, guitars, drums, synthesizers, and he has a lot of guest collabs from um, other members of bands on his uh, polyvinyl record label, like Davy Pierce of, of Montreal does a track, Blackbird, Blackbird. So they're full arrangements of of these songs that were produced to sound like video game music. But then when you get the physical album, it's it's like an actual legit piece of music, uh, which is which is kind of fun. Yeah, and you were held, you were holding up the cassette uh, earlier uh, during the the introduction. Um, yeah, yeah. So you guys just started sending those out. Yeah, is, in January. And what is that exactly? What is that exactly? That's the so, that's the track that comes with each empty. So it's actually a full album. So um, it's uh, we have vinyl and cassettes. So the first 
collection, which was Dream Loops. This is the album for Dream Loops. The Dreamers album has not dropped yet. We're targeting oh, summertime for that. Okay. We're going to do a different redemption mechanism for that. So we had this funny staking mechanism for the first album where we built a piece of software that required the user who held a uh, redeemable physical copy to stake the album for six months in the same wallet. And then after, after which a metadata state change occurs and it turns to redeemable, at which point they can sell it and move it on the marketplace. So the redeemables tend to sell on secondaries for more money. Uh, why? Because there's a physical uh, associated with them until it's redeemed, at which point then the trade changes to already redeemed. Um, where was I going with this? Lost my train of thought, that's okay. But it's not just uh, the audio file from the um uh from the nft itself there's actually a mega mix of like 25 minutes on one mm. side of, of it's like basically a dj mix of of all sorts of different loops from the collection and then the other side is like a full album with uh with nine songs produced by keel basically longer arrangements of the loops that are found in the collection and we're going to do something similar for the for the dreamers collection it's it's kind of fun got it so back to dreamers so dreamers came out well october 21 is when yeah. these Ended exactly. up minting, so we're about six months, almost exactly six months in now. I Holy think. smokes! Yeah, it is six months. It's <laughs> just crazy like to think you. about. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're we're getting to kind of like the next phases of the roadmap, right? So um, mm. we're here to talk about Dreamers VX airdrop. So let's talk about. It. I read the Medium post. We got some previews here uh, of what the the 3D voxelized versions of the the 2d 16-bit avatars are going to be um but i want to hear i want to hear the story from you yeah so cool roadmap item like we bought a um a sandbox partner parcel or an estate from them back mid-summer um when we just had dream loops and uh, they did a cool um item for us like if you go through the sandbox items collection there's a cassette tape that says electro labs on it that they produced and dropped for us i, I wish it had, wish it had some music attached but it's it's still a cool thing and i thought oh that's nice of them to do that and um we were throwing these metaverse parties and exploring our second collection and we thought like what if we do these in 3d so that we can bring them into the sandbox once the sandbox is live so we we put that down as one of our, our roadmap items so shortly after we uh, dropped the Dreamers 2D collection, which you can see behind me also, uh, you were just showing on OpenSea. Uh, we got to work on producing all of these assets. So most of these are produced by Keel. He does um, have a few illustrators working uh, beneath him that he art directs. So it's a lot of work producing 15,000 3D characters. So we did have to hand create uh, or hand recreate all of the uh, 2D elements from the collection, wow. and then basically write scripts that uh, worked within Sandbox's box edit software to then programmatically combine them. Uh, so part of it was scripted, was uh, was engineered, part of it was done by hand, uh, like most NFTs, right? Uh, unless you're dealing with the strictly procedurally generated stuff. Um, yeah, and we, we buttoned that up, uh, at least the asset creation, like over a month ago, and then put in our launch date, pushed for our marketing um, to get more outreach and more more awareness of what we're doing. Um, even though it's a free mint, basically, it's a roadmap item for our holders. Someone asked me the other day, like, why didn't you sell these? And I was like, yeah, like we could have, but I don't know. It's also just fun to like give things to your your ride or die community members that have been with you for, for ages. So this will be a free claim on Saturday. Um, there's no snapshot. It's one-to-one. -one, so like if a, a savvy user can 
figure out which ones have been minted or not. And there's going to be an easy way to do so. They can go grab the 2D one and mint it a week from now, two weeks from now, if they decide. Um, oh yeah, that's a demo. So we, you can import these into the local sandbox environment. So we, we've been testing them. Um, they are using a slightly larger model than the uh, conventional sandbox character. So we're actually using the same model type as the, the CyberKong's VX, which is mm. kind of fun. Um, it allows you a little more pixel density, but the team has uh, conveyed to us that that's not gonna be a problem. So uh, our models will be slightly larger, but they, they look a little cooler in my opinion. Um, yeah, um, and the hope is that when we have uh, like sandbox events in three months time, four months time, whenever the sandbox is live and, and public, that our uh, our crew, our community will show up dressed as their their dreamers in the metaverse. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I mean, they look great. Um, Thank you. So so congrats on the work done today. I think most of the market participants, myself included, probably don't have insight into work to the work that is required to turn 2D avatars into 3D avatars that can actually participate in, in metaverses. Yeah. Um, so listening to you kind of go through the laundry list of, of tasks there, um, it, it's a big effort. So going through that and then offering this as a, a free mint slash airdrop, I, I think it is certainly commendable. Uh, but I love that. Uh, I love the decision to reward the community members who have been here uh, and are still here for, you know, either since the mint six months ago or, or along right. for the ride now. So uh, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. Mindset. Um, I'm just going through here to see uh, anything else from this post that, that we should, that we should pull up. I think that about covers it. Um, so remind me, you got to throw a party tonight, this Friday. When again yeah. is the is the first party that you're hoping to see the the 3D avatar? Well, up? whenever Sandbox is live. So okay. we're doing we've been doing monthly events uh, in crypto voxels since June of last year. So I think this is event ten, which is kind of cool. Like we we show up monthly. We always have a lineup of DJs. We have guests. We've done Animetas. We've done Society of the Hourglass, Oni Force, Heart Project, um, uh, Wicked Crane. I mean, like sometimes a lot of like four different guests on a party we've done done a lot of cool collabs with different teams that have dropped into our space and uh, it's just one way that we continually engage with our community and we are music focused with some of our some of our projects although now a lot of what we're pivoting into is not so much music focused but that's still a big part of our team in fact they um, multiple team members are, are musicians aside from their day-to-day -day roles with uh, you know either on our engineering team or on community management etc uh, and we want, you know, to convey that through our messaging and a lot of our, a lot of our community members are musicians as well. Like we have a, we have a channel where users talk about synthesizers, uh, others share links to songs they produce. Like some of our members have produced tracks with like, uh, Danny Elfman and Brian Eno, like just bizarre. Like they do, wow. they do great work. And, um, yeah, so, so we're, we're sort of here for that, that angle of this as well. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the experiences that you can have in metaverses right now are, are kind of simple. Like mm -hmm. most of it's galleries. And right. I'm really hoping like Sandbox cracks the code on that with like a lot of the gamified components that they have within it. Like you could you can have a sword, you can play a platformer, you can kill monsters. At least that's what we've seen in the, the alpha demos. Um, but it's tricky to get users in the present metaverses, Decentraland, crypto voxels, whatever it happens to be, to stay for extended periods unless you give them mm -hmm. some other form of entertainment. So we found music right. is a great way to get our users to congregate and chat for a few hours a month uh, and, and 
you know, dress up. Sometimes we, we do have a few crypto voxels wearables that we share. So hoping whenever um, whenever the sandbox is is public, like I know they're moving into a beta phase, uh, but it doesn't look like they're gonna have like a 1.0 of the game until until summertime. So hopefully, hopefully summer we'll be able to to pivot into sandbox parties and do some events there. Um, which also something to note like we're we're metaverse agnostic we like to say we, we go where the users want us to go so mm -hmm. if sandbox is the winner we'll do sandbox um if uh if another metaverse emerges and we can uh re-rig and import our our voxel characters there we'll do that uh, you know we'll figure out the scripting and the uh engineering required to import those to another platform too so we'll go where the users want to be yeah and i, I want to i want to get there and explore that a little bit i think you nailed one of the biggest problem with metaverses in current state web 3 2022 is there's no real reason uh, for users to congregate and stay in metaverses yeah. for longer periods of time um, and i think parties are really one of the the, the biggest current <laughs> yeah. solutions that work right now so i guess to our listeners or viewers who have not been to a metaverse party i encourage you to do it so like i i went to my first one uh it was an oiler beats party I want to say it was like last yes. April or, or May. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, this is kind of silly, but I'll, I'll try it. And I'll say it, it was fun. It was surprisingly fun. Um, there was DJs playing. Exactly. The music was great. You know, you're there. Um, I wasn't like necessarily interacting with a whole lot of other people. Um, just because I was still kind of in, uh, new to the environment. I think this one was in Crypto Voxels. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do encourage folks to go try it out. They're fun. Um, I'm curious, do you... Do you spend much time in any of these metaverses besides when you're kind of hosting and attending parties? I like to, yeah, I like to cruise around. I've actually, I've been to the Euler Beats space. Uh, they've got a, a cool gating function, even though you can, can kind of bypass it. But um, I love it. I've, I love Euler Beats. That's one of my favorite music projects, by the way. Um, although they were very expensive when I first entered the <laughs> NFT space. And Same. I was like immediately priced out. I was like, oh man, like six ETH or whatever they got up to. Um, yeah, I, I try to see what's out there, what other use, how other users are pushing the boundaries with their gallery builds and uh, what they're doing with events. Um, like we do pretty, we do pretty cool stuff with the events, and I, our our consistency is nice, and I think our production quality is high. But there's others out there that argue, I'd say, do it better than I do, because um, I'm not, I'm not a uh, you know production engineer for broadcasting by trade, but I, I figured out how to use OBS. We've got a nice multi-camera setup. I've got good audio equipment, but. Um, there are other teams like Warp Sound does great streams and they're doing like a metaverse tour with, they, they just dropped into our parcel, but they're collabing with some other cool teams. Um, I saw a cool DCL party or Decentraland party the other night and I thought, oh, this looks really fun, really good build. Um, yeah, I, I do try to keep tabs on what's out there. Uh, if, if only to inform like our process and, and try to make sure we're staying on top of like what the users want to see and try to find ways to to get our, our users more engaged and engaged and get more um more eyeballs on what we're what we're trying to do in the metaverse i i do think there are a lot of limitations in what you can do in uh, crypto voxels as well as dcl right now just by the nature of those platforms and i'm hoping sandbox sort of raises the ceiling and if their demos are any indication like we they had that um dead mouse uh experience in the first alpha and uh there's basically like a nightclub built around um 
around this this demo in the alpha and i thought like oh there's lighting effects in here and stage effects and things that we can't do in crypto voxels that i'm definitely going to try to implement in sandbox or copy uh to inform our practices once once we can do it so yeah i try to play with this stuff as much as i can um uh, e even though you know to to both our previous points like there's not a ton to do other in the spaces other than like look at everyone's collections or arts but uh or art um but it's also interesting to see some of the brand activations you get uh, in some of these spaces too like the dcl had like an adidas gallery at some point the guggenheim and like there's conventional art galleries that have spaces so uh even just if for a few minutes there is something novel about seeing how these brands activate themselves and and want to have a presence in the metaverse yeah i want to say like was it miller light one of the bigger companies had uh yeah. like a bar or something i think it was decentraland it might have been sandbox around the super bowl um, but uh, there's an elephant in the metaverse room that we haven't talked about that's coming sometime this month. Oh yeah. With, with Yuga land. Yeah. Um, so I'm is I'm it promised this month? Are we, are we sure it's uh, it's April? It's supposed to be sale? April. Okay. That's what that's from uh, Yuga labs. They said it was going to be in April. I think my target is it's going to be at the very end of Makes the month. Sense. I think they're not going to want to mess with the Moonbirds launch. Uh, oh, yeah. Next weekend is a pretty big liquidity event. Um, but I'm curious if you think kind of your thoughts on Yuga, if they're now kind of a, you know, Web 2 or, you know, corporate versus decentralized and or do you think, you know, are they going to win the metaverse in the short term? Yeah, I, I think about the, the whole who's going to win the metaverse argument quite a bit. And I am of the opinion that you can have multiple players with a reasonable user base or even users that utilize both for different reasons. Um, but I mean, they, they're such a brand like Sandbox has a great product, but now you have Yuga, which with the board apes and also their um, licensing of the, um, the punks and MeBits IP, they, they have all of this, this IP in front of them as, as, pieces of their brand and identity that their users glean onto and, and use as their profile pictures, right? Like they, there's this identity component in, in, you know, in web three in the metaverse, even uh, associated with what they're doing that say the sandbox doesn't quite have yet. Even the sandbox has a, a bunch of cool brands attached like Snoop Dogg and walking dead, dead mouse, et cetera. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that assuming Yuga can come out with a solid product, which they're certainly capitalized to do. I don't know how long they've been building this, right? Like if we could, mm -hmm. if we could go back and look at like the mutant sale, right? For those that remember, obviously 20,000 units in the collection, half were sold. And I think at the time they grossed like what, 90 plus million dollars in Ethereum. Sounds right. Yeah. And depending on how they utilize that, like that's more money than uh, a lot of AAA games cost. I mean, not, not to say that there aren't, you know, Call of Duties out there that cost 300 million, 400 million, your, your God of Wars, whatever. Uh, those do tend to breach the $100 million mark. But certainly you could build a, a metaverse protocol with that capital that they had. So the question I have is, have they been working on this since then? At what point was this in their roadmap or uh, their planned development timeline? And will we see the rudiments of that metaverse when they launch? Or is it just going to be the land sale? Like, to what end can I play? Um, if that's the case, I'd love to try it. I want to see a metaverse where there's not a lot of uh, user sharding. Like my criticism of Decentraland is that 
if I send users to my parcel, they end up on different servers. So it's hard to make that critical mass like we can in crypto voxels. Mm. So if they can crack that nut and then combine it with a slightly more polished user experience, like shit, we'll do a metaverse party there in, in March, <laughs> assuming I can buy some land. Um, so yeah, I've got my ApeCoin sidelined for that, assuming it's going to it's going to sell an ape. And uh, I'd, I'd probably, I'd, if I were uh, a speculating man, which I am, uh, yeah. I'd probably take a position and, and buy some <laughs> buy some Yuga Labs uh, metaverse land. Absolutely. Yeah. What are yeah. your thoughts? What do you think? Like, are you? Is that an exciting prospect for you, or is it a is it a pass? Is it a buy? What's uh, what's your take on this? Oh, I'm smashing the buy button. So okay. I, I kind of. I've been evolving my trading style personally. So, you know, the, the, the winning trading style in 2021 was spray and pray. Like, unfortunately yeah. that was, the, that was the trading style that, that won if, if you're able to hold on uh, mm -hmm. to, to some projects, but now I'm trying to make concentrated bets on, you know, teams that I believe in or proven teams. Um, so, you know, you mentioned warps sound. So I've, I've got a position in warps, um, which like has been you know, transparently a, a little hard to hold on to because the, the space is so fast moving. So when the teams yeah. take time to build it, it can be, it can be tough because the attention spans are just so short. Yeah. Um, snaps. In, in general, I'm, I'm bearish metaverse because I think we will have one overall winner eventually. And I don't think we know who that winner will be. Mm -hmm. um, so I typically will enter plays like Treeverse or Worldwide Webland at a smaller entry point. Um, and then uh, once it hits a certain point, for me, it's like 2 ETH. Uh, I'm a seller there. Uh, it's been, mm -hmm. a, it's a little bit too expensive. Um, I think Yuga Land is different. I, Yuga Labs has kind of proven themselves to be, you know, one of the leading teams. They've got essentially infinite market demand for their products right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's unclear how many like, the average person will be able to mint. I think at, you know, they said one ETH priced in ape. So that's like 300 ape right now. Uh, I mean, I'll be accumulating as many as I can at, at 300 ape. I think it's going to go up uh, quite a bit from there. Um, so I'm definitely excited about it. I'm, to your point, you really got me thinking like how long have they been working on this? I think what we're going to get at the end of April is, an NFT plot of land. I don't think we're mm. going to be getting a working metaverse. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to enter into, I don't think you're going to be able to attend a party in the, the Yugaverse in, in early May. Um, so I am curious, you know, the, the risk to Yuga land will be, you know, how long does that take to develop and, you know, roll out a, a working product? Um, but I, I'm definitely bullish and I'll be, I've been DCAing into ApeCoin and will continue doing so certainly ahead Smart. Uh, of that launch. So, yeah, I, go ahead. I think I'd agree with everything you just said. And, and I'd also like to pick up some, some land there. I, I would, if I had to, to bet on whether or not they come out with a functional product by April, May or end of April or May, I, I'd, I'd agree with you. I don't think it's going to be there yet, but who knows? They might surprise us. Like, they have been capitalized for some time. It, that would be a that would be a tremendous feat for them to execute that that quickly. And I think that would also be um, be a really good look. Like there's a lot of eyes on them right now with like how capitalized they are. The outside investment in Yuga. Um, I, I've heard some rumblings of like, oh wow, like this is this is becoming a too big to fail sort of scenario wherein mm -hmm. there's so much attention on what Yuga is trying to do 
that if they screw this up, it's going to be a real bad blight on the NFT ecosystem. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that sentiment. However, certainly it would look bad if they can't execute on some of the things that they're purporting to do. Um, so any, anything they can do to accelerate the process and start, start delivering on some of these lofty uh, uh, promises will be a, a net boom for Web3. It's such a double-edged sword. You, know, you, you do well, you deliver, you execute, your valuations go up. Now the execution risk just gets higher and higher so that if you don't meet standards and deliver at the market valuations we're seeing, I mean, ApeCoin sitting at 11 billion fully diluted right now, which is yep. kind of you know absurd. Let's just say it. Um, if they have any missteps, everything's going to tank for sure. And then will that bring down the whole market? It, it, it certainly could. I don't, I don't know that I fully buy that or not. Maybe it will benefit that, that next tier um of some of the rising star projects but you know, right. we were, i'm curious we were chatting a little bit before the show so clearly you know you call yourself a speculator you trade a little bit earlier in the interview you kind of hinted at your trading style so it sounds like or what i heard from you is you like to build bigger positions maybe on the lower entry side yeah uh, so to speak or at least i'd love to hear a little bit more yeah i try to well a i try to buy multiple units of whatever it is that i'm acquiring obviously because it's, well, it's hard if not impossible to fractionalize your NFTs unless you're using some of these um, like fractionalization protocols like NFTX, NFT20, whatever, uh, uh, or the fractional platform, but not really designed for you to fractionalize like lower priced NFTs, right? Um, so I try to buy multiples of things that I believe in so that if we see a higher price valuation, you know, a week later, a month later, I can... I could exit, cover my entry cost, uh, then gamble on something new, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't take as large a positions as I'd like. I liked your spray and pray description because it's like I only have enough dry powder to take a few here, 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 and here. So I try to, I try to cast a wide net or, or spray and pray, as you might put it, with a few units of projects that I think might have some upside and then, and then see what happens. I, I'd say... For every you know good play I make, there's there's seven or eight bad ones. I, I've more than covered most of the time. Maybe I've gotten lucky on on things like the board apes and uh, Oni, a few others um, that I've been lucky enough to to get it on early. Uh, but I also take a lot of losses. Sometimes I just buy stuff because I like the team and the artwork, and I want to see them succeed mm -hmm. too. There's there's some things I just buy knowing full well I'm going to lose all my money on them, but uh, you know I want to have it. Um, yeah, and and I do. Maybe I trade more than I should some days. I, the, the problem is I also don't have all the intel that say like you might have as like a media personality. Like I'm over here building and then I'll have like, you know, maybe 30 minutes a day where I can, you know, go through and see what everyone's chattering about on Twitter or I watch a podcast or watch your show. Uh, so I'm like late to some of the news, right? And, and I'm sitting in probably like 60 Discord uh, servers, right? But I'm mostly focused on mine and then a couple other uh, right. you know, close associates. So I miss a lot of like the good alpha. And then I'm left playing catch up or, or you're buying at higher price points. Um, occasionally, Jason on my team who you've spoken with will, yeah. will ping me and be like, dude, you got to check these out. Everyone in my so-and-so chats this. I'm like, okay, I'll, then I'll trust his judgment. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but I, I think it's important to have some skin in the game too, as, as a, as a project founder, um, if you believe in the space, you'll have a bunch of these, these random collections in your wallet, uh, because 
because you want to see them succeed. You want to see them grow. And, and I'm certainly in that camp where um, there's a lot of cool stuff being built. There's also a lot of bad actors and like cash grabs out there, but um, you got to take some shots. Like if you have any interest in web three and, and the success of it, like um, you should be a trader, you should be a collector. Even if you just have a little bit of capital to play with, like at least take the plunge for anyone listening. That's uh, you know, hasn't yet installed MetaMask and bought their first NFT. Like, you know, try it out. I, I like to give, um, give NFTs. Like sometimes I'll have cheap ones in my wallet that I'll send to friends if they're web three curious. And most of the time, which is nice, like when you gift something to someone, like you could sort of induce that endowment effect where they, they don't want to sell it because it was a gift, you know, unless they're a complete asshole. But uh, so then, then they become curious and I'll get a text too excited. And they're like, Oh, I just bought a, I bought a cool cat. I'm like, Holy smokes. Or I bought, you know, like this has happened where like I send a friend to a, a dreamer as a nicety. And then they, they text me two weeks later and say they bought a dead fella or something. And I think, Holy, Holy smokes. You, you just went full ham and spent six grand on a, on a green zombie nft i love it it's and it's cool to see but a, a lot of the the growth in this space is is that word of mouth growth and having mm -hmm. someone you trust and, and someone that's that's uh you know not a complete uh, idiot you know like i'm not not saying i'm not a complete idiot sometimes but it's you know i have my conventional investments but then i also have this nft wallet with with things that i like to speculate on and gamble and I, and I say speculate i know people like to say i'm investing in nfts it is it is a wildly volatile market and when, oh, yeah. when it's this volatile i'm like oh it's it's speculation not to say we don't speculate on stocks too you know whether it's amc or gamestop i mean some of these markets are volatile as hell as well or you could you could be playing energy futures right now also volatile as hell and in some instances um uh, way more volatile than say cryptocurrency. Like Bitcoin's kind of been flat. <laughs> I mean, lately I did pump up to 47, but it's it's kind of been on this horizontal move wherein uh, some movements in equities have been been wilder day to day. So yeah, on a bit yeah, of a rant there, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. uh, it, it, it's all part of, like, if I go deep down the rabbit hole and crypto and NFTs and, and stock trading, it feels like you're playing the great online game where it's yeah. just all, all about, you know, generating capital and whatnot. But I want to touch on a few of the other points you made on, on NFTs as gifts. A, I love it. I think NFTs are great gifts. I uh, yeah. gave my wife a couple of pudgy penguins. She loved nice. it. She, it got her into like interest in NFTs. I think it's a great way to onboard. Um, but beyond that, I think, you know, you mentioning as, as a founder, how you feel like it's important to be buying NFTs and be trading and staying close to the market uh, really hit home with me. Um, and I, I kind of want you to share what we chatted about uh, right before the the show here as a potential red flag uh, for our listeners if they see oh, yeah. a founder's wallet. So I'd love for you to kind of retell that. Yeah, I, I've yeah, this has come up a few times where I'll be talking with someone on another team, and you see them on Twitter, and sometimes they share their ENS address, or sometimes uh, I'm like, oh hey, I'll trade you one of mine for one of yours from our projects, or some you know, assuming they're of like value. And you get the wall address and you look and you're like, oh, this person doesn't collect anything. Like they've got a couple of their own project and maybe some extraneous airdrops. That's usually a red flag to me. I'm like, oh, you don't actually believe in this space. You're just here extracting capital from it, you know, via your sale. Um, and th that usually looks bad to me. Um, not something I like to see. Um, and then I, I've, I'm not going to point any names. I remember I was talking to someone on a Twitter spaces. It was, uh, it was a guest of ours, actually. And uh, was was 
talking all this big game about trades and, and his collection. And I, I looked through his wallet and I was like, wait, this guy doesn't, he hardly trades at all. He's mostly just dumping and liquidating things and fast flipping. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that. You should be taking some capital off the table. I don't see anything wrong with the flip here and there, but um, it gave me the vibe of like, oh, you don't actually have any vested interest in, in the growth or development of this stuff uh, in terms of like long-term valuations and, or even, even the tech side, you're, you're just here to, to extract some money via your drop and it doesn't feel good. And, yeah. and, and I think your community, you know, community members notice that stuff too. Like I'll have people message me and be like, Oh, I didn't know you were part of this community. So I was like, Oh yeah, you're stupid. My wallet. Well, that's, that's why it's there. Like, yeah, I tend to buy the projects I support within reason, within what I can afford, you know, right. but um, yeah. No, I, I think that's such good advice. It's actually a tactic I'm going to start using with, uh, you know, when evaluate a new project, maybe go through the the founder's wall and see, like, are they actually a participant in this yeah. community or not? It's definitely uh, a good test. Well, I, I love the discussion that, we, that we've had here. I guess kind of before we close out, any closing thoughts uh, or anything else you want to share with our listeners or viewers? Yeah. Uh, join us at the Metaverse party. Always, always shilling our parties. It's a good time. You know, uh, I'm not going to tell you to buy anything, but come check us out. Uh, that's at 4 p.m. Uh, today, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, um, 11 p.m. Uh, UTC. I know everything's global in NFTs, uh, but we'll be at bitelectro.party. We actually point a domain name at our CryptoVoxels parcel. So you can cruise in. You don't have to log in. You don't have to have a CryptoVoxels account. You don't even have to log in with your MetaMask. Uh, you go to the third floor. We've got eight DJs. We've got the Oni Force. Oh, interesting little tidbit. The Oni are dropping a special NFT to everyone that comes to the party and fills out our giveaway form. We've got a pre-mint uh, set up to collect uh, wallet addresses and the Oni will be dropping something. It's not a POAP. Everyone's like, it's a POAP. Like, it's not a POAP. <laughs> they they're making something special and they're going to use uh, the party attendees as the, the first recipient. So that'll be fun. We do some giveaways as well. And then of course, uh, Saturday is the VX drop. So if you own a dreamer, you'll be able to claim the 3D voxelized counterpart of that dreamer for free, save for a little uh, little gas you pay to mint it from the contract. But that's happening on uh, April 9th, which is tomorrow, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Exciting times for sure with, uh, with the dreamers project and everything you've got going on. So we'll make sure to, uh, we'll post some of the links in our show notes again one more okay. time for the for the information for the party it's at bitlectro party but bitlectro.party who, who i i discovered when looking for an interesting domain to point at our metaverse parcel that there you can buy dot party domain name <laughs> so we actually used it in nftla actually we threw a pizza party with uh hashku and society hourglass and uh consensus nft and we bought um uh nftpizza.party and that that sent everyone to the event bright page to, to rsvp so i'm going to buy these dot party domains anytime we do it do an event but we've got bitlecture.party to join the uh the crypto voxel party at uh, 4 p.m awesome we'll, we'll head over there and get your oni nft if you sign up for the the giveaway so that is enticing i love the the dot party uh domains i'm gonna have to check yeah, that out myself completely but. silly I'll say, Gabe, this has been one of my favorite interviews. I really appreciate your time and you coming on the show. Best of luck uh, with the, the airdrop and everything else that you all have in the roadmap. It's exciting. Thank you, Tyler. I, I like your insight. I like that uh, you're clearly one of the smarter uh, personalities in this space. Uh, anyway, fun conversation. I, I do appreciate it.
well, thank you. You're uh, buttering me up and, and making the ego even bigger. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's been awesome having you on. To our listeners and viewers, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, we're still working out time for the show next week, so stay tuned. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks. Until um, then, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Good day. Thank you.